Welcome to the Addiction in Emergency Medicine and Acute Care podcast. Why does this topic matter? One person in the United States dies from a drug overdose every six minutes. We as healthcare providers must do better to treat addiction, prevent overdoses, and improve the lives of our patients and their families. This podcast is designed to provide you with simple and evidence-based information on substance use disorders that you can use to take better care of your patients on your next shift. Hello again, and welcome back to another episode of Addiction in Emergency Medicine and Acute Care. Dr. Casey Grover here back again as your host. Today's episode will be on the topic of carisoprodol, also known as SOMA, and we'll be discussing abuse and withdrawal of this medication. As always, we're going to keep this evidence-based, so we've got two great papers that we'll be going through today. And a brief background with some of my personal experience on why we are covering this topic to get us started. Carisoprodol was part of the so-called holy trinity of opiates, benzodiazepines, and carisoprodol that was such a scourge during the late 2000s and early 2010s. It was extremely intoxicating, addictive, and most importantly, lethal. The risk of overdose was markedly increased with the combination of the three medication classes together. My experience as a physician with patients on carisoprodol was that this medication was highly sought after. There are a number of muscle relaxants on the market, but people wanted this one the most. This convinced me before I had any real knowledge of addiction, despite being residency trained, that carisoprodol was such a problem that I put it on my I will not prescribe this medication list. And then I also thought it was really weird that they would give the drug the brand name Soma. Brave New World by Algis Huxley is one of my favorite books, and it's about a dystopian world in the future in which the masses are controlled by a drug called Soma. Maybe not as many people have read it as I thought. Oh well. But it's a great read if you're interested. Okay, moving on to some actual evidence here. We're going to review the paper Carisoprodol, Abuse Potential, and Withdrawal Syndrome by Roy Reeves and Randy Burke from Current Drug Abuse Reviews in 2020. The authors open with the usual introduction. They highlight what carisoprodol is, namely a commonly prescribed, centrally acting, skeletal muscle relaxant indicated as adjunct therapy to rest, physical therapy, and other measures for the relief of discomfort related to painful musculoskeletal conditions in adults. Moving on, the authors note that the primary metabolite of carisoprodol is meprobamate. And meprobamate is a Schedule IV medication in the United States. And let's just stop here for a brief interlude that meprobamate is an older drug known as Miltown from the 1950s, which was prescribed by doctors as a general sedative. It was noted to be addictive and was replaced by benzodiazepines when they arrived on the market given that benzodiazepines were safer with fewer side effects than meprobamate. So already I am not excited 
about carisoprodol. Its primary metabolite is a sedative from the 1950s that was addictive and replaced by another class of medications due to safety concerns. Back to the paper. The authors actually address this very fact. The authors point out that since meprobamate has a risk of addiction greater than that of benzodiazepines, it is likely that carisoprodol would have abuse potential. They continue, though, noting that patients on meprobamate can develop withdrawal when they stop using the medication, so therefore it makes sense that patients who are on carisoprodol would also develop withdrawal when they stop. The authors then move on to pharmacology. Carisoprodol is available as 250 milligram and 350 milligram tablets and is recommended as a TID to QID medication. Onset is within 30 minutes and half-life is 90 minutes. Adverse effects include drowsiness, dizziness, ataxia, tremor, blurred vision, and headache. The exact mechanism of action is unknown, but the drug is thought to act centrally by causing sedation rather than by direct skeletal muscle relaxation. And a brief rant here. This is what I've been saying about muscle relaxants for years. They don't relax your muscles. They relax you to the point that you don't care about your muscles. Whiskey would do the exact same thing. Sorry for the brief rant. Back to the paper. As we discussed, carisoprodol is metabolized to probamate, which causes agonism at the GABA-A receptors and the half-life of meprobamate is 11 hours. Carisoprodol may also have some direct agonism at the GABA-A receptor. Moving on to abuse potential. The authors start by reviewing some case reports about carisoprodol abuse. The first case report on the abuse of carisoprodol was published in 1978, with many more case reports published in the early 1990s including patients who were using it as a substitute for opiates. The case reports of abuse of carisoprodol continued, including a patient who could not stop using despite multiple attempts at detoxification and rehabilitation. Also, another case included a physician who was using carisoprodol while driving and was arrested for driving under the influence multiple times. The authors move on to a case report from 1997 in which a patient used carisoprodol to calm himself after using cocaine, which highlights a trend seen with carisoprodol abuse, namely that carisoprodol is used to alter the effects of other drugs. The authors further elaborate on this, noting that carisoprodol has been taken along with sedatives and alcohol to increase their effects or with stimulants to curb their effects. Carisoprodol can be combined in specific ways for certain effects. For example, tramadol and carisoprodol has been reported by patients as causing an augmented, euphoric, relaxing effect. As the prescription opiate epidemic began to ramp up in the United States, a 2007 case report came out that highlights just how versatile carisoprodol was in the world of substance use. 
This report was on a 28-year-old male who was using alcohol, cocaine, marijuana, prescription opiates, and prescription benzos. When he could not get any of his substances of choice, he would get a prescription for carisoprodol. He would take up to 20 to 30 tablets per day to achieve relaxation. He also reported mixing carisoprodol with either alcohol or olanzapine for an augmented euphoric effect. So there's evidence for carisoprodol as a drug of abuse in case reports. What about in studies? A 1999 study of patients who used carisoprodol found the following. 40% took the drug in larger amounts than prescribed. 30% took it for an effect other than for which it was prescribed. 10% took it to augment the effect of another drug. 5% took it to counteract the effect of another medication. 20% reported regularly attempting to obtain more carisoprodol from their physician, and 10% reported obtaining the drug illegally. In that same study, physicians were surveyed about carisoprodol. 95% were aware it was a controlled substance. Only 18% were aware it was metabolized to meprobamate, and 39% felt that carisoprodol had abuse potential. So we have as many as 40% of patients misusing carisoprodol and yet only 40% of physicians felt it had abuse potential, and that's not a good combo. A 2007 study from Idaho looking at Medicaid claims related to carisoprodol found a few interesting things. Patients prescribed carisoprodol used concomitant opioids more frequently as compared to patients who were prescribed other muscle relaxants. Patients prescribed carisoprodol had diagnoses related to substance use more frequently as compared to patients prescribed other muscle relaxants. And when patients needed to pay out-of-pocket for carisoprodol in the case that Medicaid would not pay for it, people did so in 80% of cases. Let's think about that. People wanted to buy it with their own money in 80% of cases when the insurance would not cover it. And these are Medicaid beneficiaries, so paying out-of-pocket can be a big deal. The next section of the paper asked the question, is the incidence of carisoprodol abuse increasing? In the United States, a 2006 Drug Abuse Warning Network review would suggest yes. ED visits related to carisoprodol have increased 297% from 1994 to 2005. It was estimated that the misuse of carisoprodol was equivalent to that of clonazepam, during that same time period. What about in other countries? Well, a 2007 study in Norway looked at the Norwegian prescription database for 2004 and found around 77,000 patients who received carisoprodol at least once. Some very interesting trends were found. As many as 32% of patients received more than 15 doses per day of carisoprodol. Normal dosing is 3 to 4 times per day for your reference. Over 11,000 patients received 75 or more doses per day. Individuals who were high users of carisoprodol received more opiates and benzos than those who were not high users of carisoprodol. And the conclusion of this study 
was that carisoprodol was highly abused and the drug was actually taken off the market in Norway in 2007. This was followed by the European Medicine Agency reviewing this study from Norway and performing an additional review of carisoprodol. The agency concluded that the risk of carisoprodol outweighed the benefits and recommended the suspension of marketing authorization for all products containing carisoprodol in the European Union member states where it was approved. So I think we've established in this paper that carisoprodol is a medication that is at high risk for misuse and addiction. Now, what about withdrawal? The authors move into a discussion about carisoprodol withdrawal syndrome. Initially, the drug was apparently not believed to have a withdrawal syndrome. Some case reports began appearing in the 1970s of people who were on extremely high doses of carisoprodol who developed symptoms of anxiety, tremulousness, and craving when there was abrupt cessation. Following this, initial studies of patients getting 100 milligrams per kilogram per day of carisoprodol, and that's about five times the recommended mass dosage. These studies were done, and abrupt cessation caused abdominal cramping, insomnia, chills, headache, and nausea. And Norway, with its problems with carisoprodol abuse, had experience with prisoners who had been taking carisoprodol when they entered their criminal justice system. Prisoners who had been taking carisoprodol for at least nine months developed anxiety, insomnia, irritability, and muscular pain upon stopping. The first official case of carisoprodol withdrawal was published in 2004. It was a 43-year-old man who had opiate use disorder and switched to carisoprodol when he could no longer afford his opiates. He took as many as 30 or more carisoprodol tablets daily. His physician stopped prescribing for him abruptly, and within 48 hours he developed anxiety, tremors, muscle twitching, insomnia, hallucinations, and bizarre behavior. Symptoms peaked around the fourth day after the cessation of carisoprodol, and treatment was with olanzapine and lorazepam, which were tapered down as symptoms improved. A second case was reported in 2005, which was a 46-year-old male who was taking 10 to 12 carisoprodol tablets daily when he was no longer able to get his regular opiates. Very interestingly, the authors point out, he did not have any opiate withdrawal while on his carisoprodol. The patient entered a drug treatment program for detoxification during which he experienced palpitations, diaphoresis, chills, abdominal cramping, nausea, insomnia, myalgias, tremors, diarrhea, anxiety, and feelings of depersonalization. Symptoms persisted in this case for two weeks after stopping. Two additional cases, the authors note, were published in 2007. One was a 36-year-old female who was hospitalized with auditory and visual hallucinations. Her auditory hallucinations were the voices of several individuals, as well as music, which she described as, quote, good music, end quote. Her visual hallucinations were very vivid animals and people. She was ultimately found to have been using 25 carisoprodol tablets daily for months, and she stopped using it three days before her presentation to the hospital as she had run out. 
On the first day after stopping, she became anxious and jittery, and on the second day after stopping, she became tremulous and began hallucinating. She then presented to the hospital. She also reported significant insomnia as well. She was treated with lorazepam and risperidone on an as-needed basis, and her symptoms resolved over three days following admission, a total course of the withdrawal of a little under a week. The second case in this 2007 report was a 21-year-old female who abruptly stopped taking carisoprodol after taking 20 tablets per day for three months. At 24 hours, she developed anxiety, tremulousness, muscle twitching, and insomnia. At 36 to 48 hours, she began having visual hallucinations of insects and flying things. She became paranoid and believed she was being watched. When she restarted the carisoprodol, her symptoms resolved. She was later admitted for detoxification and was treated with lorazepam, 6 milligrams daily, and titrated down 20% per day. Her symptoms had decreased to a less intense level by day four of her detoxification. The authors move on to the mechanisms of carisoprodol withdrawal. The authors propose that the most likely mechanism for carisoprodol withdrawal is the withdrawal from the accumulation of the active metabolite meprobamate. They note that the descriptions of carisoprodol withdrawal mimic the symptoms of meprobamate withdrawal, namely anxiety, insomnia, muscle twitching, anorexia, vomiting, and ataxia. Additionally, carisoprodol itself also appears to stimulate the GABA-A receptor directly, similar to other CNS depressants. So it's likely a combination of both. And this goes back to our discussions of other sedative withdrawal syndromes. We discussed alcohol in episode 1.5 and benzodiazepines in episode 4. Constant stimulation of the GABA receptor by medications, drugs, or alcohol causes sedation. The body tries to maintain homeostasis, and with continued stimulation by medication, drugs, or alcohol, the body changes how the GABA receptor responds to stimulation and how other receptors, such as the excitatory system glutamate, function to balance things out. Once the chronic use of the sedative is stopped, the system is completely out of balance, with the previously overstimulated GABA system now underfunctioning, and the other system, such as the excitatory glutamate system, is now overfunctioning, leading to a marked unbalance of underfunctioning GABA and overfunctioning glutamate, which causes an overall increase in brain activity. And this causes the symptoms of anxiety, tremor, insomnia, and hallucinations, and depending on the substance, even seizures. The authors move on to their conclusions. They highlight basically five points. Number one, they highlight that physicians may not be aware of the risk of carisoprodol abuse, and patients may use this to their advantage to obtain it. Two, patients may also use carisoprodol when not able to obtain other substances that are more highly regulated, such as opiates or benzos. Three, the authors suggest that carisoprodol should be prescribed with the same caution as opioids and other controlled substances due to the risk of misuse and dependence. Four, carisoprodol has high potential for misuse and is metabolized to meprobamate, an older sedative with a significant history of misuse in the past. Five, carisoprodol is associated with a withdrawal syndrome 
that can occur with abrupt cessation of the drug, particularly if it is being taken in large doses. Kudos to the authors for this fantastic overview. I found it exceedingly helpful. But it left me with one question. What do I do to treat carisoprodol dependence? Fortunately, I was able to find some literature on this. Our second paper that we'll be reviewing is called Treatment of Carisoprodol Dependence, a Case Report. It's from the Journal of Psychiatric Practice from 2005, and the lead author, and I am so sorry if I mispronounce this, is Gautam Rotagi. The authors here report a case similar to those we've looked at previously. A 46-year-old male with a history of benzodiazepine and opiate use who is using 10 to 12 tablets of carisoprodol per day. When stopping his carisoprodol as a part of a detoxification program, he experienced palpitations, diaphoresis, chills, abdominal cramping, nausea, insomnia, restlessness, myalgias, tremors, diarrhea, anxiety, and depersonalization. And these are very similar to the previous cases that we've reviewed, so we now know that this is truly carisoprodol withdrawal. The authors in this case report proposed a three-pronged approach to treating carisoprodol dependence. Number one, taper the carisoprodol. We need to titrate down rather than stopping abruptly. Two, control the symptoms of withdrawal. Use medications to relieve symptoms like hydroxyzine, trazodone, ibuprofen, or dicyclamine. And number three, control the mental health condition that was leading to substance use in the first place. And the authors in this case highlight cognitive behavioral therapy and group therapy. In this particular case, the patient was inpatient, from what I can tell from the case report, for about seven days. They followed up with the patient after discharge, and it was very interesting. The patient was able to provide his perspective. In regards to coming off the carisoprodol, the patient reported he would have preferred to do it over weeks to months rather than a shorter taper. And this is more similar to what we do with benzos, where we taper over weeks to months. And his total duration of withdrawal symptoms was about 10 to 14 days. Discussions with the patient after he was successfully treated allowed him to describe his experience with carisoprodol. He reported that one to three tablets at a time of carisoprodol produced general relaxation and drowsiness. Four to ten tablets at a time, on the other hand, produce cheerfulness, disinhibition, increased self-confidence, and socialization. The authors also reiterate the fact that carisoprodol is known to potentiate the sedating and euphoric effects of alcohol and other drugs, and for this reason, carisoprodol is very common among people with a substance use disorder. The authors go on to discuss the literature on the management of carisoprodol dependence and note that, quote, to our knowledge, there is no standard treatment regimen for patients with carisoprodol dependence, and most patients are treated for the symptomatic complaints of withdrawal, end quote. And even though this report was 16 years ago, the literature has not changed. I couldn't find anything on PubMed besides this report on how to manage carisoprodol dependence and withdrawal. The authors then go on to further describe their three-pronged approach to carisoprodol dependence. Number one, gradual tapering. They recommend tapering, as an example, over a period of five days. An alternate regimen would be 
to count up the number of tablets the patient is taking in a day, start them at that number, and titrate down one pill per day until the patient is done and off carisoprodol completely. And it may depend to some extent on the baseline dose that the patient is taking. Two, treat symptoms with medicines to provide symptomatic relief. Consider hydroxyzine for anxiety, benzodiazepines for anxiety, antiemetics for nausea, antipsychotics for psychosis, antidiarrheals, trazodone for sleep, dicyclamine for abdominal cramping, ibuprofen for muscle aches, etc. And number three, treat the underlying psychiatric problem that led to the substance use in the first place. In this case report, the patient had anxiety, so they used selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors and cognitive behavioral therapy. For us in the emergency department and the acute care setting, it's going to be simple. Refer to psychiatry and outpatient behavioral health. All right, that was a ton of information, and this to me was a fascinating topic. I learned an enormous amount and hope you did too. Let's wrap this up with some take-home points. Number one, carisoprodol, also known as Soma, is a centrally acting skeletal muscle relaxant that is metabolized to meprobamate. And meprobamate is an older sedative that is no longer used due to the risk of abuse and its poor safety profile. Number two, carisoprodol and meprobamate are active at the GABA-A receptor, similar to other sedatives. Number three, Carisoprodol is often used by patients when they are unable to use other substances such as opiates and benzos. Number four, carisoprodol has a well-documented effect of augmenting the effects of alcohol and other drugs and is therefore often sought out by patients with active substance use disorders. Number five, regular carisoprodol use can cause dependence. And while there's no hard data here, it seems to be in patients who take large amounts of carisoprodol for months or more, and large amounts being the upper limit of normal dosing and beyond. Number six, abrupt cessation of carisoprodol can cause withdrawal. It develops within 24 to 48 hours of cessation. It can cause symptoms including anxiety, tremors, insomnia, hallucinations, abdominal cramping, depersonalization, and muscle twitching and symptoms can last for up to two weeks. Number seven, treatment of carisoprodol dependence involves a three-pronged approach. First, titrate down the carisoprodol. Some strategies include titrating down over five days or decreasing by one pill per day. Second, control symptoms of withdrawal with medications to relieve symptoms, like ibuprofen for muscle aches. And third, refer to behavioral health treatment to manage the symptoms or condition leading to the carisoprodol use in the first place. And that's a wrap. Fortunately at my shop, we don't see much carisoprodol anymore as we saw the abuse potential in the early 2010s and stopped prescribing it. But I still hope this is helpful to you in your practice. Wishing you a great day, and don't forget, treating substance use disorders saves lives. Thanks for listening.